Monday, November, uh, September 19th, just a few days ago, 2022, the Secretary General Antonio Guterres of uh, the United Nation made several remarks in his introductory comments uh, at the Sustainable Development Goals Moment event. I don't know how many of you kept up with some of the United Nations meetings going on this week and the various leaders who presented at that uh, summit of nations. Bear with me as I read his speech. Excellencies, honored guests, ladies and gentlemen, let me begin by expressing my deep sadness on the recent loss of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, whose funeral took place today. The world bids farewell to an extraordinary leader and her lifetime of service. It is service and action for humanity that brings us together today. Excellencies, we meet at a moment of great peril for our world. Conflicts and climate catastrophe, mistrust and division, poverty, inequality and discrimination, rising costs of food and energy, unemployment, and declining incomes, massive displacement and dislocation, the ongoing effects of a global pandemic, and a lack of access to finance for developing countries to recover, a crisis not seen in a generation. Each peril is pushing the sustainable development goals further out of reach. And in the face of such perils, it is tempting to put our long-term development priorities to one side to leave them for a sunny day. But development cannot wait. The education of our children cannot wait. Dignified jobs cannot wait. Full equality for women and girls cannot wait. Comprehensive health care, meaningful climate action, biodiversity protection, these cannot be left for tomorrow. All, across all of these areas, young people and future generations are demanding action. We cannot let them down. This is a definitive moment. All of you here today and those tuning in from around the world give me immense hope that we can put our hands on the wheel of progress and steer a new course. That we can rescue the sustainable development goals and get back on track to building the, a better world that leaves no one behind. The world has a long to-do list. We need finance and investment from the public and private sectors. We need a reformed financial architecture that benefits developing countries, providing critical financing and debt relief. This is the only sustainable pathway to address the obscene inequalities that exist in every country, while ensuring that the world doesn't slide into a recession. Governments need to invest like never before in the health, education, and well-being of all people, including refugees and migrants. We need expanded universal social protection to protect people against economic shocks while boosting job creation, especially in the digital care and green economies. The global accelerator on jobs and social protection for just transit transitions is one critical opportunity to reach these goals. We must do more to lift up women and girls in every walk of life, and we need to save our planet, which is quite literally on fire. This means addressing the triple planetary crisis of climate breakdown, biodiversity, 
biodiversity loss and population. It means supporting the global biodiversity framework to transform how we use and preserve our natural gifts for the future. And it means moving away from our suicidal dependence on fossil fuels and jumpstarting the renewable energy transition in every country and supporting developing countries as they make this shift and adapt to the changes around them. Above all, there can be no sustainable future without peace. By embracing peace and tolerance, and more importantly, by living these values every day, we can move one step closer to the sustainable, equal, and just world that every person deserves. My friends, the task before us is immense, and young people are demanding action, not only for themselves, but for the generations of the future. The perils we face are no match for a world united. Let's get to work. Let's get our world back on track. Thank you. What do you think about that? What do you think about that as, as you consider, as we consider as God's people, the wonderful truth that we have of the plan of God, of the wonderful truth of the plan of God as is typified by this upcoming holy day that is upon us. Think of the parallels of the recent speech with scripture. He made this statement in his address, we meet at a moment of great peril for our world. Do we agree with that? I certainly do. Conflicts and climate catastrophe. You know, we're having climate situations all over the world, climate issues, uh, be, it, be it earthquakes, be it uh, severe drought, be it uh, the uh, volcanic activity and the impact of that on, on various things. Mistrust and division. We see aspects of that in Scripture as we think of the Olivet prophecies of Matthew 24 and what all uh, that that states. Poverty, inequality, and discrimination rising costs of food and energy as we think of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and famine and, and, and what that, the impact of that on life itself, the ongoing effects of a global pandemic, issues of, of health and uh, disease epidemics and such that we see going on. We just read, we just heard read his solutions, solutions that he hopes that he hopes the nations of the world will embrace to get our world back on track. I submit to you that that is, uh, as, as well-meaning as, as this individual may be, I submit to you that it is a false narrative of what will make for a better world. Is it not? One of the incredible blessings, one of the incredible accountabilities that God's people have is a result of knowing and seeing from Scripture what the true narrative for a better world is. When we talk about narratives and false narratives, that's a, that, that phrase or term is, is thrown about uh, quite a bit 
in today's society. We hear that on, on various news agencies, be they uh, more liberal slanted or more conservative slanted. That's a false narrative. That's a complete false narrative. That's, that's not, they're, they're setting up a narrative that is not really uh, what it is. We think of, uh, as, as was talked about in the uh, in the sermonette, the, the, the false narrative that Satan was setting up with Jesus Christ, trying to establish a false narrative with him as, as he was uh, tempting Christ. False narratives uh, come in many forms, and uh, I'll, I'll speak to that just briefly by way of introduction. This is from dramaticopedia.com. Uh, the false narrative is a false narrative is one in which a complete narrative pattern is perceived in a given situation, but it's not an actual narrative at work in the situation. The perception of a false narrative can be due to insufficient or inaccurate information. So in, in some cases, let's, let's reflect back to uh, Mr. Mr. People's sermonette. His sermonette was not a false narrative, by the way. It was, it was a good narrative. But, but, the, but think about the, the assumption and the narrative that the, the son created in his mind uh, based on what happened uh, to him with receiving that Bible. He had developed and created a false narrative about what was in play with the father uh, who had done that. And, and that narrative, he, he came to understand much later, uh, be the story fictional or real, he came to understand that he had been operating under a, a complete false narrative in his life of what, of what was actually happening. So uh, it, it can be due, we can create a false narrative due to insufficient information. I think we would, as God's people, we would say that uh, the Secretary General is, is operating under insufficient information. He doesn't have all the information of, of, of what is in play here. He doesn't have the information of, of mankind living under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't have the, 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 the sufficient information of, of Satan the devil who's the god of this world who deceives uh, is his intent and his success has been in deceiving the entire world. And in, in, in some respect, he, he has inaccurate information. Narratives do not exist in a vacuum. Rather, an infinite number of narratives are continually moving through the same narrative space, sometimes hinged, sometimes colliding, sometimes drawing others, each other off true uh, by their contextual influence, sometimes passing each other without effect. Uh, so there, there can be insufficient information that leads to a, a false narrative. There can be inaccurate information with, which leads to a person creating a false narrative about what needs to be done. There can be an insufficient assessment. By, by, getting the, by taking in the inf information, the person can make an insufficient assessment and then go forward. Or the person can make an inaccurate assessment. So several of those are aspects of what they would call the false narrative. But there is also an, an aspect that, that I think we would often say when you hear the term, this, it's a false narrative, is, is this one, intentional deception. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the, this speech was one of intentional de uh, deception. I, I don't... Uh, 
I, I mean, I, I can't speak to that. I, I don't know the man. But uh, it, it seemed uh, in his impassioned uh, speech that he was not intentionally trying to deceive. But we also, brethren, realize very, very clearly, and this gets to what we want to talk about today, this aspect of intentional deception, intentionally creating the false narrative. Satan the devil created a false narrative with Eve as he began to talk with her about why she should try this tree. God knows then the day that you eat of it, you're going to be like him. You're going to know good and evil. God's holding out on you. He, does, he is protective of what he has, and he does not want to give that to you. He's holding you back. He created intentionally deceiving a false narrative. I'd like to talk about false narratives today. False narratives will play a huge part in the events that lead up to ultimately the culmination of the meaning of the Feast of Trumpets, a, a time period that, that speaks to the time of, of, uh, the, of the, again, the memorial of the blowing of trumpets. We've got seven trumpets, as we know, uh, Revelation talks about, and ultimately with the seventh trump, when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of his Christ, and, and leads to all the events that, that lead to Jesus Christ's return, this, this large, uh, actually a fairly significant time period there of, of the, what's called the Day of the Lord. We won't get into as many details of that today, but I want to talk about the false narratives that will be going on leading up to the, the actual event of Jesus Christ's return. I think it's critical for us as we go through life, it's critical as we see the things that are going on on, in, on the horizon now. We heard uh, the, the, the framing of the United Nations Secretary General talk about what he sees are the real issues, what he thinks are the true narratives about which we as a world need to really be focusing on at this time. Uh, is, is that where we should be? I submit to you it is a false narrative. It is a false narrative. Where are, are we with respect to the true narrative? Are we keeping the true narrative in our minds? And because of what we know, do we live our lives accordingly? Let's address that today. We'll hit some scriptures which are uh, familiar to us, and we'll hit some maybe that, that aren't as familiar. But we need to review that, and, and I think it's critical for us to keep those concepts in mind of where where the world is going to be coming at all of these different elements. I, I again, I think we saw several of them today. Just listening to his speech. Let's go uh, to Second Corinthians 11 to begin. Familiar passage where Paul shows the the, the similarities, the the closeness, the, the 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 shadow of the true of what was going on then, of what has gone on for for many years, and what will really intensify as uh, we near Christ's return. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. He says, for such are false apostles. There, there are individuals as uh, leading into this who were uh, saying different things about uh, Paul, uh, and again, trying to highlight Paul's weaknesses to put themselves forward as, as folks who were really, uh, really the true, the caring, the knowledgeable uh, ones uh, leading the church. Uh, Paul, uh, breaking into the thought here, Paul says, for such, verse 13, 
2 Corinthians 11, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers. These, these are individuals here who are in that uh, mode of intentional deception. Uh, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Yes, I'm a servant of Christ. I, I, I have been appointed by Christ to do these things. Uh, and he says, no wonder, no wonder. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers, if his servants also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. These individuals that are serving in, in these roles ultimately serve Satan. And it is critical for us as God's people to be able to discern between righteousness and this, this shadow, this, this mirror, uh, in a sense, but a, a, a faulty mirror of, of what they appear to be doing. Can we see the difference? Are we tuned in to the, the things that will help us be able to see the difference as these intensify? As, as we know, as, as the early New Testament church began, that, that shadow, that, uh, that false church began uh, shortly thereafter and, and took, took hold and uh, is, is tied to the, the beast power and the beast power's various resurrections culminating in the final resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire with the, the, the false prophet uh, leading the way for uh, the religious aspect of that, of that, of that uh, giving power to the beast. Revelation 6 verse 1 Revelation 6, again, these are review passages, but this is the, the first horseman of the apocalypse. Uh, Revelation 6, verse 1, the white horse represented uh, in uh, uh, being false religion, uh, represented by a white horse. Jesus Christ returns on a white horse, but this is a, a, a different uh, kind of rider on, on a different white horse. Verse 1, now, when I, now I saw when the lamb... Uh, opened one of the living seals. This is the first of, of seven seals uh, here. The first four seals are the horsemen of the apocalypse here, as, as is typically called. Now, when I, when I, now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a, loud, uh, with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. The various uh, uh, Olivet prophecies uh, speak to this, tie that in, uh, this, this crown or wreath given to conquer, the, the, the conquering nature and, and, and the influence of false religion on the world. And, and it was tied uh, to the ability to, to conquer, uh, as, uh, as we know, the, the Holy Roman Empire, as it became, uh, quote, Christianized, had that, that conquering. And, and many of God's people uh, down the year, through the years, were, uh, were martyred uh, because of this of this, of this conqueror. And as we've often uh, thought and, 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 and talked about and, and looked at, these, these four horsemen continue to ride uh, right up until the return of Christ. They are, they are involved uh, and, and active. These things just continue to intensify as we move towards that. Second Thessalonians 2 really begins to get into this, this false narrative that's created. Uh, now jumping ahead to uh, this 
this person who's called the, the son of uh, perdition, the man of lawlessness, the one who's uh, later talked about as the false prophet, the one that gives power and authority to the beast, the, the, little, the little horn uh, that gives that last resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire uh, incredible power. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Notice, notice again, when we talk about the false narrative, notice the, the, the lies, the deception, uh, the, the, the twisting of things, and why that is able to have success um, uh, upon those who are uh, given to that. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, uh, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. We won't spend a, a lot of time with that today, but it, it is fascinating as you look at uh, Christianity, Christianity today and the variety of views that are out there about the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, and and even, even the book of Revelation. Uh, there's uh, one, one individual who writes... Uh, and is uh, a radio talk show host and, and who speaks in this whole area of, uh, of revelation and he talks about the four different views of, of how to view re revelation and, and many will talk about it more from a, a historical perspective, you know, kind of leading, leading up to the situation of, of the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, so much of the rhetoric kind of tied to that. Well, of course, uh, John, John wrote uh, Revelation uh, in, in 90 AD, but anyway, so tying to that or tying to the things of the events of the day, uh, some see it more as metaphorical or more allegorical, you know, where we see some of these... Uh, these statements like stars falling from heaven, mountains shaking, things splitting in two, uh, and, and they'll cite Old Testament passages where uh, the use of uh, descriptions of what God did as he intervened for this army here and, and intervened to destroy this army or intervened to, to help Israel in this, where words and phrases are used that would be considered maybe hyperbole. So it's just, it's just big, grandiose kinds of phrases, but, but the things that Revelation is saying really aren't, they are, really aren't going to happen. It, it's more just kind of big words and big stories like, uh, you know, this happened here, but, but what happened was the mountains shook and the, the stars uh, fell and, and the clouds uh, spread apart. And wow, you know, this thing happened when really it was just, you know, had a little raindrop on the ground here and this plant started to grow. You know, whatever, as, you know what I'm saying. It's like they're saying that it's, it's so much hyperbole uh, for, for basic kinds of things. Uh, the other thing is, is getting into the whole thing of is uh, when is the, the time of, you know, what, what is the church with respect to the kingdom of God and seeing the establishment of the church of Christendom and, and all of that as being in essence the kingdom of God being here on earth. So this, this whole thing about uh, uh, a Messiah actually physically coming to, to keep mankind from destroying himself is not really what it's 
getting at. It's, it's like as the church comes and as the church is formed, the church then, uh, because Christ is working with the church and, and directly involved with the church, after all, it's his body, then, then he, uh, it, it's a, a space of time as the church begins to uh, grow and strengthen and, and begin to just take over, in a sense, the world. Uh, more, more of, a, of an amillennial view versus no, we must have Christ return in order to keep mankind from destroying himself. I mean, that, that's out there. That's out there in mainstream Christianity. And that is a false narrative, brethren. It is a false narrative. And there are individuals out there who have insights on certain aspects, but we can, we can read, read some of those things and see that this guy's got a good point here, this guy's got a good point here, and we can inadvertently get sucked in to a narrative that is, is really of the evil one. Uh, and it's out there. So uh, again, that's, I went all the way to that based on this, this statement here of uh, as though the day of Christ had come. Remember, what, what does, what does in, in Revelation, what does it say about that, that person that is at, on the throne at the time prior to Christ's return? He puts himself forward as, as if being Christ. Uh, so I, I think uh, it's, it's critical for us to, to recognize the, that deception that's out there. Let no one deceive you, verse Four, uh, three, let no one deceive you by, uh, by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. There will be a falling away. And the man of sin, this uh, son of perdition, is revealed. This, this, this individual that, that is in this kind of role opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. God's people, as, as they are staying close to his word, as they are staying close to his way of life, as, as they are walking in his ways and, and staying focused on what what the purpose of this life is versus the purpose of the life to come will continue to be grounded and, and we'll be able to see this. Uh, but we can easily be deceived by that if we aren't grounded in God's word, if we're not living God's way of life. Uh, anyway, so he says, uh, verse, verse 5, Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own times. The mystery of lawlessness, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. We understand that Jesus Christ must return in order to, again, spare mankind, as Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21 talk about. But, but then also we see immediately after that, we see that, that he destroys, uh, he takes the beast and the false prophet and casts them in the lake of fire, uh, as Revelation 19 tells us. Destroys with the brightness of his coming. This, the illumination of, of Jesus Christ's coming, as it talks about lightning, it's like lightning going across the sky. Everybody sees when that lightning goes, uh, goes by, everybody who is in that area sees that. It's visible, it's known. At his, at his return. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the workings of Satan 
The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, with all signs, and lying wonders. Boy, we cannot underestimate that. We cannot undervalue the impact of that. With, with, with all power, incredible amounts of power, incredible signs, incredible lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception, Talk about the, the false narrative, Satan being cast down, knowing that he has a short time, as Revelation 12 says, that he creates a, a very powerful false narrative to the world about what's, what's going on. All unrighteous uh, deception among those who are perishing, uh, as I believe the Greek uh, is, is primarily a meaning there, uh, among all the, those among those who are perishing because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved we've talked about this many times many thoughts about what exactly that uh, uh the the love of the truth is uh and also what exactly the lie is in verse verse 11. i i think the love of the truth the love of of the truth of god the the truth of of who he is, of what he is, of what his plan is, the truth of his word, the person who lives by every, every word of God uh, and, and lets the word of God uh, open up his heart to reveal himself uh, to God and for God to reveal that person's heart to him so that person can grow closer to God. All, you know, do, do not receive the love of the truth. Who take that in. This is God's word. I must live by it. It, it, is, it is the only way that they might be saved. And for this reason, then we see God, not only do we have the great, the great deceiver, uh, unrighteous deception uh, from this lawless one, all the power of the workings of Satan, when, when these individuals go that direction, for God's purposes, God also, verse 11, will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Of course, we know the plan of God. We know where he's taking things for all of mankind. But in this case, because of this, he allows that. He allows that and he, he sends them strong delusion so that they could believe the lie. That they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. An incredible false narrative will be set forth. So in, as we're thinking about that false narrative, brethren, let's... Let's talk about a couple of things, some concepts that, that happen with those who are putting forth the false narrative, maybe, maybe uh, because they're intentionally deceiving, as, as the beast and the false prophet will be doing. They get thrown in the lake of fire when Jesus Christ returns. They are intentionally deceiving. They know whom they represent. They know whom they follow. They know the power that they get for, for a time, and they are full on. They are intentionally deceiving as the time goes on. There may be others, though, who uh, are not intentionally deceiving, but who are deceived and, and put forth their deception because of insufficient information. Notice uh, a statement, though, that, uh, that Paul brings out that speaks to, let's go to 2 Timothy 3, that speaks to a, I guess, a, what would we say, a, a principle uh, that works with those who deceive. 2 Timothy 3, it's in a statement, he makes this statement right before uh, talking about what we just covered, about uh, how all Scripture is given uh, 
by God's inspiration and, and how it profits us for all these different aspects to fully equip us. But he makes uh, this statement in verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, hopefully uh, that includes each one of us here, will suffer persecution. Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. And then notice this statement, deceiving and being deceived. As we are deceiving, as we live in a world of deception, and I think that speaks to, to any of us here. If any of us are in a situation where we are telling lies to ourselves about aspects of our, our character, about as, aspects of our nature, uh, playing games with ourselves, deceiving uh, in that way, we then move into the role of also being deceived. Deceivers are also deceived. Deceivers will be deceived, but uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful way of stating this. Uh, grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Romans 1. Romans 1, we speak uh, to this uh, frequently. I think this is critical in creating the false narrative. This is the... the the save the planet, we've got to save our planet. A lot of the rhetoric that was talked about here in this UN speech uh, spoke to, to this kind of, of a mindset of if we can just work together, if we can come together as a world, we can save our planet, we can get the world back on track. When was the world ever on track? So. Again, it, it comes from this framework of this, of this planet Earth that is, in a sense, to be worshipped. And everything centers around the sustainability of this Earth. I don't need to say this. I think you, you folks know where I am. Do, you know, and I think, I, think, I think we're all here. I hope we're all here. That we realize Adam and Eve were placed on the Earth to dress and keep the garden. And we are accountable to God as, as individuals, as individuals in the body of Christ, of, of caring, for, uh, caring for God's creation, and that we're not to abuse God's creation. And that's one of the critical components that will be so neat to see on a, on a physical level when that begins to take place in the, in the millennium, as, uh, as Christ begins to heal the waters and heal the earth, and then how we... Uh, in worshiping God and in, in, in worshiping Him and in, in appreciating His lovely creation, tend this earth as He as He would have us do, but uh, but this this thing of of worshiping the creature, the creation more than the Creator is is evident here, and we're going to see more and more of that in young people. Boy, we've got to be careful about that. We've got to be. We, we, we can see the abuses that are out there. We we recognize that. We see that, but we can't get sucked in or pulled in to that false narrative that's there. Uh, really neat article by, uh, I can't remember if it was Mr. Jones and, and Isaac Khalil wrote, uh, I think it was those two, and if, uh, if uh, I, I attributed this article to uh, one when I shouldn't have, uh, my apologies, but uh, they wrote an article on, on all these things that are going on, you know, the world talks about climate change and all these different things, but, but part of the, part of the, things that they, that they talked about is that mankind, even though we're, we're not doing a good job in a lot of areas, mankind is really trying to do a good job in, in some of the areas, but many things that we're not. They come to that conclusion, though, that, that it, it, it comes 
more back towards a, a worshiping of the creation versus a worshiping of the creator and following his principles in caring for uh, uh, the creation that, that God uh, placed man to, uh, on the earth to dress and keep. Uh, Revelation, uh, uh, Romans, Romans 1, verse 18. Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and, all un and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They hold down, as the margin renders, they're holding down the truth. And, and what, what, what truth is he getting there? This, in my opinion, I, as I look at Romans 1, he's talking about just, just to understand that God is the creator. All things came from him. He created all that we have around us. Uh, he was the, the one who originated that, all that. And it's, it's evident his invisible attributes are clearly seen, as it says in uh, verse 20, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. They are without excuse, and as a result, they take a narrative on things, and we're seeing more and more of that in society. Just imagine the narrative, and I think the, the article that uh, Mr. Jones, Mr. Khalil wrote, speak to this. Imagine the way that narrative is going to really explode as we start seeing all these events happen, all these events that, that God says he's going to bring on the earth uh, with, with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, all the things that are going to be happening in, uh, with, with the trumpet plagues, all of those things. Yeah, we're destroying our earth. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. When, when, he's, when he's actually saying this is coming upon mankind for mankind's disobedience. But it, the, that false narrative will, go, uh, will get louder and louder. Let's look at uh, verse 21. Because although they, were, they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened, deceived and being deceived. Uh, deceiving and being deceived. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God, the, the, the incorruptible who made, made it from nothing. He created all of this. He brought all of this into being. He is incorruptible. They made it in, into an image made like the corruptible man. Birds and four-footed animals, creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature, the creation, the creatures of, of, of the world, cre creature rather than the creator, the one who is blessed forever. Amen. And we see, as we don't need to read through this, but we see verse 26, 27, the, the outgrowth of that. And that is, that is, is that voice Verses 26 and 27, those voices are getting louder and louder. An incredible false narrative. Uh, tolerance for that, for that way of life. Uh, not only tolerance, but, but celebrate that. Celebrate the diversity. It's, it's, it's freedom uh, to, to, to do that. And we should respect and, and uh, celebrate the, the differences and, and the different choices that people are making in these areas of life. It is, it is the false narrative. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Let's go to 2 Peter 2, 2 Peter 2, verse 1. 
2 Peter 2. Second Peter 2, verse 1, this especially gets into the area of, of those that claim to be servants uh, of God, of teaching, teaching his way of life, uh, to, to see these. And again, we must be grounded in God's word to be able to discern uh, the difference. Verse 1, chapter 2, 2 Peter. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And what's, what's underpinning all of that? By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber, uh, meaning uh, that it, 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 will, it will come on them. Uh, it, God, God sees that and, and it, will, it will happen. Their destruction does not slumber. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time, as uh, was talked about with snap judgments. Snap judgments can, uh, in the sermonette, snap judgments can, can, can be a result of having insufficient information. Uh, snap judgments uh, can happen as we don't take time to watch and, and see some of these, these individuals that are going to be putting forth their, their teachings and, and things that are, are really rooted in covetousness. Uh, can we be patient with that? Can we watch to see and understand? Let's go to uh, Revelation 13. We talked about that a little bit before, but this, this man of sin that, that will be revealed, wow, it's going to be uh, incredible to see the kind of power that this individual has and the kind of influence that he has upon the world, a world who is biblically uh, illiterate, a, a world who uh, will, will not be able to decipher and, and, and discern these kinds of things because they don't, they don't have the mystery of God. They don't have the, the hidden truth that God has given his people. Uh, Revelation 13, verse 4. Uh, Revelation 13, verse 4. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. So they worshiped Satan uh, who gave authority to the beast, this end-time uh, leader, uh, this beast power uh, down through the ages. They worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who's able to make war with him? This, this, this individual and his armies, uh, especially as we're talking about the end time, uh, will seem uh, unconquerable. He was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Speaking of, of the beast in terms of the 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 beast down through the years, you know, we're talking about uh, 1260 years from 554 uh, AD to 1814, uh, that, that time period of, of this, this incredible power that it has, but could also be speaking to uh, the end time as, as we're moving into that three and a half year period of the great tribulation later. He opened his mouth, verse six, uh, in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. This is the, the, 
the true, the true narrative of what's going on is this person is, is blasphemous. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. All authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life and the lame, lamb slain, uh, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, do we have an ear? If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who go, leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Verse 11, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. So the, the look of a lamb, the look of like the lamb of God, of Jesus Christ, uh, the look of that, but spoke like a dragon. This is speaking again of this man of, man of sin, man of lawlessness, son of perdition, false prophet. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Uh, so we're, we're talking in, in, in big terms of the, the, the papacy that gave power to the Roman Empire down through the ages. And then at the very end, that final resurrection of, of, of the Holy Roman Empire uh, is, is that, that beast figure and also the, the final false prophet, in, uh, again, for that, that, that window of time at the very end. This, uh, verse 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those uh, signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their forehand, uh, on their right hand or on their foreheads, so that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Incredible influence down through the, the time and will create this false narrative of what's, of what's going on when it's in, in reality, it is what he's saying here. This person is, is, is involved in all kinds of unrighteous deception in the power that he is able to uh, uh, exude. Let's look at Revelation 11 of the, of the narratives that are going on. Here, we've got a true narrative of what's going on uh, contrasted with a false narrative. The, the situation of, of the work of the two witnesses, the narrative of the two witnesses prophesying and giving a testimony. These individuals in the final three and a half years as uh, Jerusalem is being uh, trampled, the temple is being, that area is being trampled by the Gentiles. Uh, look here at verse 3 of Revelation 11. I'll give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy. They will speak forth of the words of God. They will speak forth the, the truths of God, the, the narrative of what really is going on, the narrative of, of, of who this other power is and what they are. They will speak clearly to that. They will as it says here, they, will, uh, they are witnesses. They will prophesy. They'll speak forth of the word of God. They'll do this 1,260 days 
clothed in sackcloth. You know, the, the sackcloth represents the, you know, the, the, the turning from sin and apostasy, you know, in humility, living God's way of life. They'll, they'll uh, preach during that time. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing uh, before uh, the God of the earth. These two individuals that's talked about, if you want to re- reference that, uh, Zechariah 4 is a really good passage about that. Revelation 1 speaks to that as well, but uh, Zechariah 4, 11 through 14. He says, and if anyone wants to harm them, these, these true witnesses who are giving the true narrative of what's going on, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power uh, in a sense of what God uh, gave to uh, Elijah in his work and, and uh, Moses as well, but these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. So we're going to have, have again, you know, these kinds of things happening, great famines in the land. It's, you know, it's, again, we're, it, you know, what, what, what's, what are the non-religious, the, the complete atheists, the ones who are uh, save the planet, Mentality. What are they going to be saying when all these things are happening? And and yet, what in, in some cases, the the reason for the famine is because the the true witnesses of God, the two witnesses, just as Elijah did with God's direction, uh, they will do uh, the same thing, and 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 that's why there will be no rain, uh, and uh, and and famines in the land. When they finish their testimony, verse 7, finish their testimony, they are speaking of, of the, the truths of God. The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Uh, and people will celebrate and have parties uh, as these, these two individuals are finally dead. Uh, and yet, verse 11 tells us that three and a half days later, the breath of life from God enters them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on them, those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. They ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. Notice verse 13. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the city, in the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. A fascinating statement there at the end of verse 13. I'm wondering the degree to which some individuals with whom God is working uh, are, are able to see the events that are happening and, and see the narrative for what it is. They give glory to God versus others that we see as things are progressing along. Others are, are cursing God. Others are, are uh, cursing and, and, and going into more and more evil. All of these things in play. Let's go uh, to another passage here, Revelation 16. The false narrative of the beast and uh, the false prophet here. Uh, Revelation 16, verse 12. We not only... We not only have uh, the beast and the false prophet that are, are doing these things, but we recognize as we look at the, the, sixth, the sixth bowl, so you've got you know, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, seven trumpet sounds, then you've got the seven bowls, the seven vials. So this is really getting close to the return of Christ. So the sixth bowl is poured out. This speaks to the relationship of the beast and the false prophet with the demonic realm uh, 
total, total deception, total, total false narrative of what is, needs to happen and, and what is happening ultimately to lead to the destruction of, of thousands and thousands of people. Revelation 16, verse 12. <clears throat> then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. We knew that uh, Russia, uh, uh, China, Gog, Magog group up there that, that begins to come down, this, this huge, massive army uh, that comes down. Notice verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, Satan the devil, out of the mouth of the beast, this end-time ruler, and, and these three unclean spirits coming out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world, uh, given this kind of power to do this. And, and what are they doing? They go out uh, to the whole world to gather them to battle uh, for that, uh, the battle of that great day of God Almighty. He says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches. Blessed is he who keeps his garments. <laughs> Are we keeping our garments? That's part of how we'll be able to discern uh, these, these kinds of things. By, by keeping our garments, how are we living? Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Megiddo, Armageddon, the gathering of that great uh, area where they will then go down uh, to Jerusalem to battle in the valley of Hinnom where they'll be destroyed. Uh, in, uh, as, uh, as we look at the, the re return of Christ, valley of Jehoshaphat, sorry, not, not valley of Hinnom, uh, as that, that final, final battle. So they're, they're gathering, they're gathering together. The, the demonic realm coming out of these, these uh, Satan himself and the beast and the false prophet are very much involved in creating even the gathering down for this final battle, which will result in the defeat of all of them and, and an incredible number of deaths. All of these, uh, these are in play. All of these deceptions that we see talked about here that will be going on. Uh, Christ is here. He's here. He's over here, as, as Matthew 24 talks about. Uh, all of those will be in play, and all of those will culminate when the true narrative finally plays out, and Jesus Christ ultimately defeats these armies and, and tosses those two individuals in the lake of fire. But isn't it all a, me a metaphor? Isn't it all just an, an allegory? Isn't it all just uh, uh, man-made climate change? Uh, we need to save our planet. Uh, everyone, as, as we near the end, everyone will be increasing in the finger-pointing of who's at fault for this and who's causing this and who's causing this. What must we do to keep the true narrative in our minds? Let's look at... Uh, passage here in, in uh, Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 2. Proverbs 14, verse 2. 
He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. Verse 3, in the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Verse 5, a faithful witness does not lie. A false witness will utter, utter lies. He'll utter lies to others. He'll utter lies to himself. A scoffer seeks wisdom and doesn't find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the, whip, the lips of knowledge. Are we doing that when we see the foolishness of the world, the, the mindset of, of so many that are, are living under the false narrative or they're, are, are deceived by a false narrative or because they have insufficient information are going down a false narrative? Do we, do we see those? Do we recognize those and withdraw ourselves from that? Uh, when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways, his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Where are we with that? Are we looking at our own lives and, and recognizing uh, that? Let's look at uh, another passage that <clears throat> we as, as God's people need to be especially careful. We see this, uh, this rhetoric out there a lot in, in the news today about uh, this conspiracy here and this conspiracy here and this is going on over here. We've got to be aware of this thing that's happening and government is trying to do this to us here and over here and they're trying to take control of us here and, and get so caught in all of those things while not re reflecting upon the real battle, the spiritual battle that's going, going on right now. People can get sucked into that. Uh, Isaiah 8 speaks a bit to that. I won't go through uh, all of the details, but I'll, I'll just jump into a, a, a verse here uh, in verse 11. I, I, I find this especially critical for me as, as I'm trying to discern all the, the news that comes at me from all these different angles and this angle here and this angle there. Uh, how are we supposed, supposed to take all of that in and make decisions? And who's lying to us here? Uh, how skeptical we have to be of so many things out there, of, of whether it's in fact check and this and that. Uh, because what really is the truth? What's this bias here? And what's this false narrative that this person is intentionally doing or this person doesn't even understand? Verse 11, for the eternal spoke thus to me, this is Isaiah saying this, with a, thus to me with a strong hand, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. So God is, is telling uh, Isaiah, do not say a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy going on concerning all that this people, <laughs> and I think about what we have in America, concerning all this, this people call a conspiracy. So many conspiracies out there. Uh, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Here's the answer. The eternal of hosts, him shall you hallow. He's the one we hallow. Let him be your fear. Let, let God be our, our reverence and our fear. Let him be our dread. I must stay focused on God's way of life. That's what I, and I've got to stay focused on what I'm doing and what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, where I'm letting my thoughts go. I, I've got to stay in that and, and in pleasing my God. Except in, instead of worrying about this conspiracy or this conspiracy and what are they going to do here to us and what's this going to do to our nation if we, if we don't do this and don't do this. Verse 14, he will be as a sanctuary 
but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel, and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble. They shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait on the Eternal who hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwell in Mount Zion. Brethren, are we in that mindset? That is the mindset that God inspired Isaiah to tell us today to be in that mindset. We must be binding up the testimony and sealing the law among the disciples, the true followers of Jesus Christ. He is our guide. He is our rock. He is our, 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 our might and our strength. And that's where our hope lies. And we, as we follow God's way of life, uh, not valuing our life, uh, he who saves his life, seeks to save his life shall lose it, but we are seeking to serve God and be, be a sacrifice for him. He says, we are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. We know uh, the true narrative, the true narrative. We've, we'll, we'll be talking more about the true narrative as we go forward in the Feast of Trumpets. I, I would ask between now and Feast of Trumpets, if you, if you have opportunity, review the Olivet Prophecies. L look at those, Mark, uh, Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24, as you prepare for the Feast of Trumpets. We'll go into more depth of the true narrative of end time events on the Feast of Trumpets. Be on guard for the false narratives in play, some of which are, it's in man to direct his own steps. That's a false narrative. We can save this nation if we all join together in love and peace and tolerance. Or if, if we just would come back to our original governing documents as laid out in the Constitution uh, and, and faithful execution of these documents by the executive, legislative, and judicial branches. That's, that's the rhetoric that's out there. It's a false narrative. We can come together as a company of nations to save our planet if the perils, as, as, if we do, as we heard in, in the speech by the UN Secretary Generals, the perils we face are no match for a world united. Let's get to work. Let's get our world back on track. It's not so, brethren. We know that. That is not the true narrative. Some have inaccurate information which leads to inaccurate assessments. Some, due to possessing insufficient information, are led to insufficient assessments. Some, deceiving in what they say and do are being deceived and will continue to be deceived. Some, due to their wickedness in believing the lie, rejecting the truth, taking pleasure in unrighteousness, God will send strong delusion. And with others, God gives them over to a warped and perverted mind because of their refusal to acknowledge Him as God. Some, have eagerly given themselves over to the devil, the father of lies, because of the pleasure of sins for a season, as will the beast and false prophet. The true narrative, though, rests in the understanding that mankind lives under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The true narrative rests in the understanding that it is not in man to be able to direct his own steps. The true narrative rests in the fear, the reverence of the Lord, 
and in his ways and not loving our own lives to the death. We've been given the true narrative, brethren. You and I, we've been given the true narrative by the power of God. As the world unravels in the coming months and years, are we committed to these true narratives in our lives? Or will we allow ourselves to be deceived by the multitudinous false narratives that will increase as we near Christ's return? May we remain faithful 